Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose View. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Hey, hey. Welcome to Monday Morning. It is Choose Views. The number is 773-763-9278. Man, oh man, oh man. Devin and I were in here cracking jokes about his uh, his sarcasm. And he says that he doesn't think that everybody gets it. I get it. And every now and again, he'll say something that'll cause me to step out of my normal uh, Richard Chu mode, but that, that's uh, that's an okay thing. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome. Over. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Um, I first have to give a shout out to my family and the great homecoming celebration from my mother-in-law that we had last Friday, and I am just thrilled to death and, and thankful for all the wonderful cheer and blessings that our family received uh, from so many wonderful people that showed up for the ceremony on Friday. And it was a really, you know, wonderful uh, send off from my mother in law. And I'm just, I'm, I'm also proud of my, um, my wife and my, my, uh, my sisters in law and my brother in law, and uh, many, many cousins that were there. It was a really special event, and um, I just want to send out that love and and, um, and joy to them. Um, and as we talk about the weekend, um, you know, gosh, Devin, you know, you can't. You hear the news. You know, I, I've got things that, that I think are important that I want to talk about today. And then you hear the news and you go, good God, how is this craziness happening with this, these shootings? I mean, get rid of the gun. Devin and I are sitting up in here going, yeah, get rid of the guns. Get rid of the guns. I mean, yeah, I hear people say, well, guns don't shoot themselves. No, they don't. But, you know, um, I, I doubt that the, that stabbings would, uh, as Chris Rock, and I'm paraphrasing, said, you know, if you're, if you're at an event and, you know, 25 people get stabbed, that's a problem too. But, you know, folks living from getting stabbed, the, the incident rate is, the rate of that is higher based on that incident. In any event, I, you know, I get it, folks. Folks want to have their guns and, you know, they believe that that's a certain entitlement because of the, the Second Amendment. But get rid of the guns because uh, is that going to solve the problem? It will certainly greatly reduce it. So, you know, I'm not oversimplifying it. So nobody call in and go, hey, it's more complicated than that. I get that. I'm smart enough to realize that it is. But speaking of calling in, the number is 773-763-9278. So this weekend was that that uh, weekend that's expanded from being I'm talking about the NBA All-Star game. It's gone from that. To a, from a game on a Sunday to a whole weekend starting on Friday morning of events from the three-point shooting contest to uh, skills competition to the slam dunk contest, etc. So I was, I was looking at a couple things on YouTube last night and I thought, okay, so I have a question to ask everybody, whether you're a basketball fan or not, but you're, you know, some of you probably are, so it might, this might be a slanted um, question, but... It's a two-part question. Just curious where everybody is on this. Who do you think are the top two or three all-time best three-point shooters in the in the NBA? That's question one. Second question is, who do you think are the top maybe four or five dunkers, game dunkers, not the dunking contest, but during a game, best dunkers of all time? 
So there's a there's a large list of, of folks that could that could be um, there's a large list of players that could be on that list. But I'm just curious for, for those of you who will call in today, uh, who you think those persons are. I'm I'm, I'm kind of interested to hear what folks have to say. But here are some things that are going on. The Chicago Auto Show, uh, which I'm a lifelong fan of and uh, have have really enjoyed going. Didn't get a chance. Haven't gone this year. Uh, and won't go this year because it ended on Saturday. But unfortunately, I heard from two credible sources that are lifetime, lifelong Chicagoans that um, it was a little lackluster this year. And from what I heard, that lacklusterness came from the um, the amount of of uh, um, automakers that were in attendance. And so, unfortunately, from two, like I said, two lifelong Chicagoans that are car lovers, one is actually even in the industry, um, the other one is, um, she's just a car lover, uh, said that it was kind of lackluster. So that's unfortunate. I don't know um, why they reduced the number of, um, uh, gosh darn it, the number of vendors that they were there, but as I was told, it, it wasn't as up, it wasn't up to the snuff that it's been in the past. So I'm not sure what that's all about. But um, it was a beautiful weekend in Chicago, beautiful weekend all around the uh, the region. And I was just saying to Devin about the weather this week, and I know I know I talk about the weather every time I'm on because of weather. You know, it is a conversation piece here in Chicago. So um, we're looking for you know above average. Um, Warm weather, so that's not a bad thing. Um, let's see some other top things that are going on uh, right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Illinois primaries are Tuesday, March nineteenth. Uh, so vote early, vote now. Uh, go online. Uh, you can go to the state's uh, website to get the correct information on if you're registered, where to go to vote, all the, who the candidates are, and actually something that um, Alderwoman Pat Dow put out, and that's who she's actually endorsing. And she sent it out in a like an 8x8 eight eight, um, mailing card that we got um, over the weekend. And, and not only does it talk about uh, the fact that the, the primaries are coming up, but also who she's endorsing. So I thought it was a nice piece, but I wanted to remind everybody that the primaries are Tuesday, March 19th. Vote early, vote now. Um, some other things that are, that are kind of um, happening in the that are that as we're talking about the auto show, I think are kind of relevant to all of us. Um, is that uh, Chrysler uh, looks to uh, move in the direction of an all EV lineup of cars? Um, let me put these glasses on so I can read without stumbling too much. So Chrysler's hoping its halcyon days aren't over yet, meaning that they want to get into the mix as it relates to the electric car concept. Um, and they unveiled a new a new uh, concept car last week, leading to the uh, supposedly the lead up to the auto show, um, or as part of the auto show. Um, but the vehicle uh, is supposedly going to be an autonomous driving uh, vehicle with uh, capabilities uh, of that type of driving. Um, and in 2025, arrival of this widely expected Chrysler's first all electric car. Uh, and that's a step toward uh, EVs being fully in the, in the EV space by 2028. So that'll be very interesting to see. Um, our Gen Zers are from recent surveys that have been done by uh, both the Department of Labor and some of the top journal um, uh, journalistic groups are leaning toward following the money as it relates to their um, uh, their careers and what they want. To be doing with this um, in this economy, um, and after witnessing, according to an article that I read, a large number of layoffs and watching some employers pay longtime workers um, less than new hires, Gen Z has learned quote to follow the money. 
Um, there's a large proportion of recent graduates of, of four-year schools um, that consider, believe it or not, salary the most important factor in their choices. Over 64% of those who were surveyed in 2021 and 2022 said that that was the most important. It wasn't, um, as some people had said, uh, work conditions, working from home. Um, many said that they would trade working from home or remotely to get paid more. Um, so the interesting thing about that um, sal- sort of, I'll call it salary transparency, is that a lot of people sort of made the assumption that um, Gen Zers would be more inclined to work from home or work remotely um, in exchange, you know, having the having the um, the comfort and the flexibility of all that. But according to this report, uh, it seems as though that they are less likely; they're more likely to take the salary or, or go for the money than it is to be able to have the, the comforts of working remotely. So kind of an interesting, I thought it was an interesting uh, read because so many of us have assumed that our Gen Zers are, are going to kind of go in a different direction. Um, I also want to say to our book winners from week before last, do not despair. Um, your copy of Rachel's book prequel is on its way. So um, those two winners, uh, Bob and, and uh, Alvin, don't worry. Your stuff's coming. Don't don't worry. So keep an eye out. You should be receiving something then at the by the end of this week or early part of next week. And we will have other book contests uh, in the weeks to come. We've had a, a handful of authors that have said, yeah, we'll give you some books. So, you know, I think that's a cool thing. We'll be able to kind of keep our, our listeners in, in line with what's happening in the progressive conversation and the writings of those who are um, – some of our progressive voices, um, but hey, guys, uh, we, we can't. We we know what the we know what the hot points are today. We know what the big stories are. We know what everybody is talking about and has been talking about since the middle part of last week and the end of the week, of, of course. And uh, before we go to the break, and I'll, I'll just let you know when we come back, we'll talk about this, and I'm sure the lines will be lit up. But um, the judge ordered uh, Donald Trump to pay. Uh, 350 million plus dollars for uh, the fraud that was determined he committed, and uh, I'm sure that as I've read that there's going to be you know some appeal to that, but it's not going to go that not really going to go anywhere. So, <clears throat> excuse me. When we come back, and the number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight, we will dive right into the uh, Trump saga. We'll be right back. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. It's Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Welcome back, guys. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and I'm Richard Chu, and I'm with my morning road dog for today, uh, my man Devin, and he's keeping us on the rails. Uh, so before we went to break, I, I mentioned, and of course, this is not new news to anybody or surprising news, uh, that Judge Judge Ingeron said, um, it's time to pay up, Donnie. And he dropped the hammer on not only Donald. So, you know, he, he dropped it um, on his on his two oldest sons. Um, they have to pay as well. And you guys have read the uh, some of the, the 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 news reports and seen some of the news reports since that happened on Friday. Uh, Three hundred and fifty-five million dollars plus uh, some restrictions that prevent him from being involved in business or being a, the head of a corporation or, or on a board of corporations in the state of New York for three years. Um, his sons have the same um, have a similar restriction. They were fined, I think, uh, four million. 
and two million respectively. I may have the numbers not quite right there, but um, those numbers could change. Um, and the uh, they also are prohibited from uh, being on the boards of and and um, running companies in the state of New York. So the legal language behind that you guys can can read for yourselves. But you know what happened, and. You know, this is partly my opinion, but also based on the facts that we have. It was way past due based on the folks who are the true experts in this space. But as it relates, relates to us and our our conversations about it, um, the, I've always felt that, you know, no matter what emotions we can throw into wanting someone to be convicted, what really matters here in this case is that that justice was served. And so Donald Trump's. Uh, continual pushing back and, you know, all these stays and, you know, getting things postponed and on and on and on. Uh, in this case, you know, it, this wasn't going to go to a jury. It was decided on based on the detail amount of information that was presented to the to the to the court system and specifically to the judge who ultimately made um, uh, the determination that he was um, guilty of the fraud that was brought in terms of the charges by Attorney General Letitia James. Um, and she definitely, uh, as, as I said, and we'll say a bunch of times over the, over the weeks to come, um, she made it clear that she was not afraid or worried about what his bravado um, would do to affect the case or to affect her. But she made it clear also that this was going to be based on the facts and there was paper trail of detail about what he had done or not done or what he had said, not said or, tr- or presented truthfully. And there was some there's some language that I, I found uh, really interesting and in determining de- de- not determining, but um, as part of the, the ruling and the reading that the judge brought down uh, and, and a couple of quick quotes. Judge Ingeron said that. In the course of the years that were presented to the to the uh, court to review this, that Donald Trump heading the Trump organization had blatantly um, present had blatantly falsified financial data and there was a complete lack of contrition and remorse. So, you know, I I'm trying to remember during these last, you know, eight coming up on nine years since he came down that. Um, infamous uh, escalator that when something has happened that he's ever said, I'm sorry, or when something has happened, he said, I'm sorry that that happened. Or, you know, even, even when there's been death of, of our military um, folks, the infamous call that he made to the family whose um, son was killed in Niger, it, there was no, you know, sorry there. There was no, um, uh, empathy or sympathy for that family. I don't think he could necessarily be empathetic because he hadn't lost a son like that, but certainly sympathetic didn't seem to come across. And clearly the judge picked up in this case that there was no, there was a lack of contrition and remorse. And I've heard that that's one of the things that's going to be, although it's not a, uh, it's not illegal to be, or you're not breaking a law to, to lack um contrition or remorse, it does go a long way when it comes to a jury determining what, if you're guilty and, and then what your, your penalty should be and or a judge is a sense of, I made a mistake. I did it. I didn't, I could have done better. Um, I'm sorry that there, there are those who were harmed. Um, 
but a blatant, I'm right. I can do no wrong. And you can't hold me accountable for this. And that's what seems to be streaming out about this whole immunity piece. So that Donald Trump's um, attitude about it is, I'm allowed to do this. And because I'm allowed to do this, whether it be stealing documents or falsifying uh, uh, financial records uh, or grabbing a woman inappropriately uh, or, 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 or cooking an election or trying to change the outcome of an election, it's never about I was wrong, I apologize, I shouldn't have done that or I should have t- done something different or differently. I haven't seen that. And I believe at some point that's going to be the thing combined with the facts that's going to ultimately sink him is his inability to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that. Because all of us, all of us, I don't care, this has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with where we sit politically, socially, economically, um, spiritually, then the list could go on and on. That's a part that's a part of us that I think if it's missing one's ability to say that in any environment that you're in. Hell, if you cut somebody off in traffic, you should at least, you know, there should be a moment where you go, ooh, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and I, I, I firmly, firmly believe that that is going to be the thing because, you know, Devin, I'm a numbers dude and I'm, and I'm, a, I've, I'm a reasonably smart guy when it comes to what people will say the, the one side of your brain that operates in a very logical, you know, um, uh, you know, calculating way. The other side of me is a fairly nice dude that understands and tries to understand people because I try to understand myself first. And I can tell you that none of us are above the, um, the, the ability to see something and recognize that they're, if, they're, if a person's not capable of saying I'm sorry or my bad or whatever the phraseology tends, would, would be, that folks get, are going to at some point get tired of that and not want to be around you. And so when I lay that against or up against the, the facts of these cases, I think that's going to be the thing that causes the juries and or the judges to ultimately say, you know, all you had to do is say, I'm, you know, I shouldn't have done that or I'm sorry. Or, but to say that I'm entitled to do it and you can't hold me accountable for it and no, I'm not going to apologize for it. And, you know, and I'm, where I'm going with this as we, uh, you know, come up on our next break is he's been saying that in the immunity trial, I'm allowed to do this. That's ultimately what that's all about. I'm immune from your, um, from your judgment of me. So I should be allowed to continue to go forward to do whatever I want to do. <clears throat> He's saying that in the court, in the, in the case in Atlanta, I'm allowed to do this. I was allowed to pull these people together to, to try to change the election because, you know, I'm trying to save the country or I'm trying to prevent them from stealing quote, stop the steal the documents in Florida. Hey, I'm allowed to take these documents. It's my, it's, it's, it's my entitlement. Um, and what's about to happen with the Alvin Bragg case in New York? You know, listen, I'm allowed to hang out with this woman and do whatever I want to do. I'm a grown man. And the, the money that I paid her, that wasn't for that. It was from, for something else. It's, it's this privileged, I get to do what I want to do. And as the judge said, a blatant uh, 
disregard for the for um, or blatantly um, blatantly false financial data and a complete lack of contrition and remorse. There's something wrong with the person that can't get to that point to be able to say those things or be able to acknowledge that. And the reason I'm where, where I'm how I'm linking this together is that I've heard some people say that this uh, this financial data or financial fraud case in New York, there is it's a victimless crime. Nobody was hurt by it. No one um, lost anything. You know, it's not like, you know, they went into somebody's house and stole money out of their house or whatever. But that's to me, um, that to me is, is, a, is a misunderstanding of a human being and of our, and then link that to our legal system of the fact that Donald Trump's actions actually did have many victims and whether it was that, as he tried to, has been trying to say, the banks got their money back or, you know, they made their money off of the interest that they charged me, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, Donald Trump's lived this lie that he was of a certain amount of wealth. And the only way to do that was to cook the books of his businesses. And as a result, the people who didn't, who have been the victims, have been the American people because of the perception. Now, think about this, guys. The perception that he was of a certain amount of wealth and success and business acumen, when in actuality, he wasn't and isn't. So the victims have been the people that have bought into the lie. And that lie, has, is, it, it's, it created this myth of this sort of superhuman dude that could do no wrong, that was financially, you know, this financial wizard and, and highly astute, when the reality is... From a financial standpoint, and and my good friend Dana Goldberg posted this this week, or posted this in the last couple of days, as other people have said. But if, like Dana posted, if Donald Trump had just taken the money, his father's got to be rolling over in his grave. If he had just taken the what I think it was fourteen million dollars that he inherited and just invested it in our financial markets, and not really tried to be this you know captain of industry which he sucks at. He would actually be a real billionaire without all this debt that he's accumulated and now more that's going to come as a result of, of this um, this ruling. And, you know, listen, guys, I don't I don't need a president that's selling gold sneakers. <laughs> I just don't. And the, all the rubes who are going to, you know, the maggots are already you know, started a GoFundMe page, which I, which I think Dino Badala said was shut down um, because of the um, the fact that you can't use a GoFundMe page to pay off debts that are result, resulting the result of um, um, financial misdoings. But, you know, at the end of the day, why would you want to give money to a dude that's lied to you, objectively lied to you? You know, so the so the victims are the people who make a choice now to 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 put their money into this GoFundMe page if it were to continue to stay up. But I, apparently it's not. So. There's a there's a lot of different pieces of this, and I'm trying to squeeze it all into a into a segment. But ultimately, I think that so many people who have, you know, I, I, I should let me ask you the question versus make the statement: Are there going to be some people that are going to finally wake the hell up and go, "This dude is not who he says he is"? And I may not agree with Biden's politics. I'm not saying Richard, but I'm saying one of his followers may not agree with Biden's politics, but the dude that you have been following. And and giving your money to and all these things, 
He's not that dude. And an objective court with data to back that up just proved it. So wake up, y'all. Please wake up. It's time for you to say no more of this. No more of this dude. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Richard Chu, and this is Chu's Views, and we'll be right back. It's Chu's Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we are back. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Chu's Views, and I'm Richard Chu. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Uh, I was talking about Trump being fined. Uh, and obviously, you add that up to or add that on to the money that uh, he was fined, uh, $83 billion or $83 million for um, E. Jean Carroll. So, you know, it's approaching a half a billion dollars. And when you add those two together, 400 and some change, 400 plus and some change, it's a lot of money. The interest on it. My brother-in-law and I were, were joking around um, Friday night, kind of laughing at the uh, the interest calculation, and he sent me a couple of um, of uh, what what mathematicians have put out there. And man, oh man, oh man, it's a ton of dollars. And you know, listen, he's lived this life. Donald has, and his and his boys, the oldest two boys and, and oldest daughter, have lived this life of you know uh, kind of a shell game. And we all know that. And the, the trouble is that people who are following the maggots, if you will, uh, can't disconnect himself from that and you know have some self-dignity you don't have to vote for president biden if you're already in the camp of trump but you got to disconnect from that dude um i think for your own psyche that you need to disconnect from him uh he's he's still reaching in your pocket that scratchy feeling you feel on your right leg is you know that that's that's not uh that's not an allergic reaction that's donald trump's hand reaching in your pocket trying to get some more money out of you you got to at some point say, no, nah, dude, I'm, I'm walking away from you. So I got to, I'm going to throw something out. This is going to sound a little speculative. It's just something that I had, it popped into my head and my wonderful wife had to, had to tolerate me saying this the other day. So, all right. A few years ago, there was a documentary and you guys are smarter than me when it comes to this. So I certainly got more collective knowledge. There's a documentary on Trump and the losses that he had experienced at the time and I think it, it was in the mid '90s, um, and I'm kind of layering a couple things together because I'm I'm more curious than I am making a statement. I'm I'm curious. Um, this documentary, um, there are a couple of quotes that are lines out of it where they had interviewed Ivanka when she was younger, and apparently they were walking out of the Waldorf Astoria, and uh, he, meaning Donald, looked down at this gentleman who was homeless. And turned to Ivanka and said something along the lines of, um, that guy is, is uh, $8, million, $8 billion richer than I am. And she said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I, I owe eight, you know, um, $8 billion or whatever the number was at the time, or $800 million, whatever the number. But the point is, it was shortly after that, because it, the, the narrator says that no banks in the United States were willing to loan um, any money to Donald Trump or to the Trump organization. And it was shortly that after that, that Eric Trump said, at a, I think it was at a golf outing or some event. He said, yeah, you know, this, as the, as the Trump businesses started to, to quote unquote, come back and the properties seemed to, to shift from being in the, in the, in the negative equity wise and negative income wise to the positive that they were saying things like, yeah, we're getting our money from, from the, from Russia. Didn't say from the Russians, but from Russia, and, you know, we really don't, we really don't, you know, deal with U.S. banks. And you, you kind of see the, a couple of moving pieces here. Oligarchs were on the rise at that point. 
the you know the 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 wall had been down you know the the the, the Reagan you know Mr Gorbachev tear down that wall the shift with all that money that came out of the the Russian economy into the hands of individuals the increase of Russian purchases of property in the United States uh, particularly in Florida uh, and down in the Isles and and Brighton Beach area in New York and you know and out in Los Angeles and of course the 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 that was also during the time that really Rudy Giuliani was really leaning in hard on the uh, quote unquote Italian uh, underworld in New York. And I just wonder, because my brain works this way sometimes, if during that time of the shift of the Trump wealth starting to grow again, the the sort of turn down of what was happening with the Italian underworld in New York and the increase of the Russian underworld in New York, if Donald literally did get turned at that point, and for them to say that they were getting their money from Russia, what did that really mean? Was it coming from Russian banks? Was it coming from Russian oligarchs or a little bit of both? And I, 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 I capped, I shouldn't say I capped this off. I led this off by saying, I understand a little bit of speculative thought here. Um, but I'm curious because that seems to be the, the timing of all of that meshes together. And, you know, as Malcolm Nance says, it, it's a lot, it takes a lot of work to, for there to be, you know, a coincidence. And I'm paraphrasing what he said. But it just seems, you know, ironically odd and timing that all these things were happening at a similar time. And just kind of, you know, look back in that during that time, look back at the history of what was happening then. And. Listen, guys, I, 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 I labeled myself first by saying there could be a little bit of speculation, but there's certainly a hell of a lot of curiosity as to what was happening at that time and where the money really came from. And then what was happening? Did he get turned and why we are where we are when it comes to Trump now? And 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 one other piece as it relates to this is, um, unfortunately, as I mentioned yesterday in the family meeting, I've been watching the the, the TV show um, The Americans, and, and it was all about the early '80s Cold War, mid '80s um, uh, Cold War, and how you know Russian spies were turning American um, uh, uh, government agents, and vice versa. But anyhow, just had to throw that out there because I'm, I'm I'm highly curious about the timing of some of the things that took place and where we are today as it relates to Trump and the Trump organization. So there you have it. Richard's morning of a little bit of speculation about uh, the, the fact that Donald Trump uh, has been fined 350 additional, 350 million additional dollars uh, because of his blatantly false financial data, financial data and their complete lack of contrition and remorse. So there you have it. Devin, before we go to this next break, let's see if we can grab a quick caller. Uh, Michael here in Chicago. Hey, good morning, Michael. Welcome yes. to Choose Views. What's going on? Thanks for, thanks for taking my call. Uh, you told me last week that if I had more information, call call back, you know. I'd like to give a little more information about 17-year-old uh, teenagers voting in the primary elections. You mentioned that in Chicago, it's coming up in March. Yeah. Now, th- that's the same. 17-year-olds can, can vote in the primary if they become 18 years of age by the general election. But the new thing I got, and this has been in Illinois for many years, since 2014, 
14. But the new information, starting January 1st, 2024, in Illinois, 16-year-old kids can what's called pre-register to right. vote. Now, 16-year-old kids cannot vote. They cannot actually vote, but they could pre-register to vote. You see, the young people are complaining to their parents, I want to do something, I want to do something in politics. And the parents go to the state representatives and say, well, my young people want to do something. So now they can pre-register if they're citizens at age 16. And the registration will just be kept by the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners. It'll be kept there. And when the kid a year later becomes 17 or 18, then they could vote and use that registration. So I'd like to say that. Hey, Michael, let me ask you a quick question. And first of all, thank you for that information. And thank you for the research on that. It it, it was definitely one of our topics. But uh, is it state of Illinois or you're saying it's just Chicago? I thought it, it is state of Illinois, right? The whole state of Illinois, okay. the 16-year-old and 17-year-old, absolutely. These are state laws. That's and as a matter of fact, on a, on a 16-year-old vote, 18 states, we're the 18th state to do it. 17 other states have already implemented the 16-year-old voting, uh, no, no, 16-year-old pre-registration for their entire state. Illinois is the 18th state, and the entire state, 16-year-olds can pre-register. I w- want to mention this little thing, that if a, you want a 16-year-old kid to pre-register to vote, ask the kid and his parents, are you going to stay in Chicago for the next one or two years? You're not going to move to another state to get a, a job or something, because we, they would have to stay in the state. There's long, long-term planning, see, the, yeah. the, for one or two years to make a benefit off of this. I hear rumors that the Republicans are uh, uh, going door to door on the north side of Chicago. They're trying to get 17 year old kids voting. I think we progressive Democrats, we got to match them. We have to get our 17 year old kids voting in this election. That's next month in March, like like you said. Yeah. And uh, these Republicans are fanatics. They're offering all kind of benefits to their teenagers to, 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 to vote. Some benefits are even uh, maybe against the law. I mean, they're really giving car rides. That's okay to give a ride in an automobile, yeah. But they are really encouraging their kids to vote. So I think we Democrats got to match it or do better than that. And and so here's the thing. And and so there's a couple of research points in there, some things I need to look up. One, who the other 17 states are, and to try to find out more about what Republicans are doing um, uh, here. But the question, the, 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 the interesting... Uh, piece of this, Michael, is so if, in fact, folks who are getting re- Republicans who are getting 17 year olds to uh, to read to vote, 16 year olds to register and 17 year olds to vote. If, in fact, and this is again, this is a, a moment of hypocrisy. If they're giving people rides and if that's allowed or certainly, you know, pushing the envelope, um, ironically, the Republicans at the same time are saying you can't give people water who are standing in line to vote. So, yeah. you know, you, know, you, see, yeah. you see the hypocrisy there. We want we we'll give you a ride. You'll get we'll give you a ride to go get registered if you don't have transportation. But when it comes to voting, we don't want people to get water so that they can stand in line to vote. Ironic, uh, yeah. ironic hypocrisy. If I can put those two words together. So, anyhow. Absolutely. 
absolutely hypocrisy. It depends on the state. Illinois yeah. is a pretty liberal, liberal state, yeah. but uh, some states with no water, no food, no nothing. Yeah, no. I uh, want to find out. I want to uh, find out more about the other seventeen states. If you don't, if you don't have that ready for us by your next call, I'll be upset with you. But let's let's partner up and see what we can we can get the list of the other seventeen states. Okay, I'm going to get get that list for you in a couple of days. Give okay. me a couple of days. Can, All right. Can I mention one thing? Absolutely. You're, you're right. This morning, when you mentioned about early voting, we got early uh, voting going on. I like to mention this. In March, the election is March 19th in right. Illinois, the final date. But early voting at the 50 uh, wards, 50 wards, starts on March 4th for sure. March 4th, and it goes the whole week, the whole two-week period, including Saturdays and Sundays. You see, we got 50 wards in Chicago, and each ward has one early voting site. Illinois, Chicago, and Illinois has one of the best the best early voting programs and the best voting in general programs of the entire United States. And they make it real convenient, even on Saturdays and Sundays. So you can look at, find out where these uh, uh, early voting sites are, and you don't have to use the one specifically in your own ward. If one is closer to you in a, in a different ward, all 50 wards are interchangeable. Yeah, a, a Chicago citizen living anywhere in the city of Chicago, north, south, east, and west, can use any one of the 50 ward locations. You don't have to, uh, if you go to work in Chicago, two miles away from where you live, you could use the ward uh, location, early voting place where you work. You right. Know. Got it. So that's fantastic. That's fantastic information. And um, um, you, you are tasked with a small assignment um, to get the states and you'll, we'll match, we'll match our list up. Cause I know that Devin's been pulling some information as well, but we'll match that up, Michael. And, and we'll talk about it later this week when you give us a call back, I'm going to hit this quick break, but thanks so much for giving us a, an early morning political update of voting. Uh, and uh, so, hang. Uh, so, Michael, give us a holler back later this week when you've got a little bit more information, and we'll match up notes. Okay. Right. I'll do that for sure. Fantastic. Okay, thanks for having me. Thanks for calling. Okay. The number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I see the other callers out there. We'll get to you right after this break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT eight twenty Chicago's Progressive Talk. Hey guys, we are back. The number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. So um, listen, I um, I got a, a bit of a confirmation. My I was sent uh, some information regarding the GoFundMe page that I mentioned earlier, and I thought it was close to right, but I wanted to get a little bit closer. Um, and apparently, it was shut down. Um, because in fact, the platform does not allow fundraising to pay for legal debts related to crimes. So, um, I understand that it is down and maybe you guys can tell me if it's not, but, um, that's a good thing. You know, he's got his hand, he's he's had his hand deeply enough in people's pockets. So that's, that's something that's, uh, that, uh, you know, let's, let's shut that thing down. Um, so I'm going to ask Devin to link in a quick call and uh, let's go to Diane in Arlington Heights, I believe. Hey, good morning, Diane. Welcome to Choose Views. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay. I love what you're doing. You're asking why. Tell um, what, what are the words on Trump's gold gym shoes? 
I haven't seen them yet. I think I saw. I think. I think I saw. Never, never surrender. <laughs> so, okay, what's the beginning of that? Because the, the news, the media only tells us half truth. Okay. Never, never give up. Never, never give up. Never surrender. I believe that's Winston Churchill. Yeah. Not Hitler. Okay. Uh, see, yes, that's true. You see where I'm going? I do. And I missed the part where you said you, um, Trump's thing, whatever, raising money uh, illegally for legal things. I think we won. We took away Trump's voice for E. Jean Carroll. Okay, we know he posted bond so he could um, make the $5 million case go away, and he got slammed. If you look at um, Al Capone, he was taken down by taxes. Mm-hmm. Has Trump appealed the $350 million one? Has he yet? I understand. Are you yes, at, are, but in order, he has to, post in order bond to, to do, do that. it, he has, he has to post the security bond. Right. Okay. He doesn't, he's not liquid. Yeah, I mean, you know, Diane, here's the thing with that. And I want to go back to something that you said about never, uh, uh, never, whatever. uh, uh, So so that goes to what I said about the uh, how the judge uh, judges ruling and writing was as it relates to blatantly false financial data and their complete lack of contrition and remorse. And to me, that that's that's going to be the thing that um, is is going to be hung around his neck as it relates to all of these cases. Every single time, there hasn't been a a, a moment of pause to say. I shouldn't have done that, or I wish I had done that differently, or I apologize. Something in the space of showing a sense of remorse, and and I think that with that's the thing that that I don't see enough of the mainstream media or any media talking about, other than those of us on social media, talking about as a big part of where what and why is going to really sink him is his inability to say those words or words like that, and. You know, I think that the other cases are going to have a human element to that, which is the need for people to hear someone say, I'm sorry, or or I, I shouldn't have done that, or I could have done better. And I, I think that's going to be t- tied to the facts. That's going to be a part of how these things come down. So, Diane, thank you for calling in this morning. We appreciate it. We got to grab some other callers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Devin, it's, it's hard to say um, – it's hard to it's hard to say that that's going to be part of the decision making of the other judges and certainly things that go to that go to trial. Um, but when the facts are in front of a jury or fa- a, a, a jury or a judge, um, I, I just I'll, I'll talk about this for a lot because I think that's a part of a human being that if you don't have the capacity to show that or to say that or to express that. Um, that people sometimes, you know, I, I oftentimes lead with, I'm sorry, my bad, my mistake. And I'm not trying to say this is for everyone. So please, y'all understand that. I try to start with that as much as I can. Um, because at that point, I think that people are willing to um, have a conversation with you where they're going to be more open to hearing what you have to say. And um, I think that there's other people who are, uh, as much of a Machiavellian personality that I sometimes can display, 
I also recognize that one of the strengths of communication is to say, you know, I, I, I realize where you're coming from. I realize I made that mistake or I apologize. And it may seem simple to many of you, but trust me, think about the best conversations that you've had with someone when there's been a little bit of, of uh, tension between you. And you've been able to say the words, I'm sorry, or, I, you know, I'm not quite sure what I did wrong, but help me understand it. How much that empowers the conversation, how much that empowers the ability for people to go forward. So uh, in any event, um, Dan makes a good point about never quit, never give up. That's true when you're running a race and you're trying to finish and win a race. But when you're dealing with people and interacting with folks, and this is a big part of what the judge's ruling um, encompassed. You know, you got to be you got to be willing to to um, let those words come out of your mouth. Um, we're going to come up on a break and I don't want to we got some folks that are on the line. I don't want to crash them into uh, uh, into a into a commercial break. So um, a couple other things to talk about that are in the uh, the sphere of what we're all dealing with right now. And as I as I mentioned before and in the in the earlier segment about um, our our current, I guess the best word would be um, conversation around getting rid of guns. I've seen a couple posts this morning where people had questions about our, you know, his latest shootings. I mean, we had two over the weekend. We had the, the Super Bowl parade. Uh, we had the one in Texas. Um, and guys, I hear you. I, I hear you and I see you when, you, when, when I, you know, very... Um, strongly say, let's just get rid of the guns. We know we got to get rid of assault weapons. That's, that's a given. But I, I, we've got to review the Second Amendment. We, we just do. We have to look at that as an older document that needs to be upgraded. And um, and if it's if you know, people will say things like sensible gun laws, and that's just that's an easy way to say we need to change the gun laws, sensible gun laws. Well, sensible is kind of a malleable word. What Devin thinks is sensible, I might think is is not. And what I think is sensible, somebody else may not. So sensible gun laws is a cowardly way of saying we need to just change the damn laws. We need to get in there, elbows deep, get dirty with it, and let folks know we're not taking your... Because here's the, here's the other side of it. I, don't, I think we could reach... Um, a crisis point where folks will look, there will be a push to take a, a reach too far when it comes to what the second amendment has in it about the right to bear arms. If we don't dial it back now, if we don't re, um, have the courage to push our legislators to say, we have to change the the second amendment. Changing the gun laws is, is cute wording that lets us dance around it and dance around it and dance around it. Because nobody, since say nobody, more people will say, "My the Constitution gives me the right to bear arms." Okay, we need to change that so that people don't have that to go to anymore as their sort of defense of of um, why their their reaction as a defense when we have shootings, whether they're with a handgun or an assault rifle or anything in between. We have to change the Constitution. We have to amend it. We have to we have to change that part of the Constitution. We need to clean up the language so that it allows us to say to people who have said, you're taking away my guns. No, we're not. We're changing the definition of right to bear arms so that it is more encompassing of current our current way of living and the 300 plus million guns. I believe I've read 
is what we have out here, which is more than the you know population of the country, give or take. Change the Constitution. Fix that. Fix that document. We have to have the courage to do that. If we don't, I think we're going to re- reach a tipping point where um, the reach may be too far. Because uh, we've had everything in terms of the size of killings, the size of uh, the number, meaning the number of people that have been killed or wounded. We've had uh, the age group part of the conversation with, with Sandy Hook. We've had the, you know, the folks that were in the church in, in Charleston. I mean, the list goes on and on of the different categories of shootings. So if we don't change the document that everybody leans into when it happens, we are never going to have, um, in my opinion, we're never really going to have sensible gun laws because the thing that everybody leans into will still exist as it is. My right is, is, is um, you know, can't be penetrated. So that's where we've got to go with this. And I saw some posts and I wanted to, to let everybody know I did hear you on that. And I wanted to kind of lean into it before we take this next break. So we are going to hit that break. And then when we come back, we got some callers we need to talk to. The number is 773-763-9278. Choose Views. We'll be right back. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, welcome back. This is Choose Views. The number is 773-763-9278. Some quick shout-outs to Leslie, Paul, Deborah, Indy Armour, Dean. Dean, oh, wow, thanks, Dean. Ray, Angela, uh, the coldest day in hell, Tammy, Optimus P., Wear the damn mask, Dynasty. We got some really great folks out here, and I, I have to... I know I do this every day, but um, because people post and follow every day, I think I owe it to those who do that um, to just give them a shout out um, for for um, uh, following Choose Views and following WCPT. Uh, we appreciate that, and I don't like to let too much time go by. That's kind of like saying I love you to someone you love. You know, say it all the time. Um, and I'd like to say thanks to folks who follow us. That's greatly appreciated. Um, but Devin, um, let's grab some calls because I know folks have been on the line. I don't want folks to hang too hard. Let's talk to Karen from Chicago. What's going on, KB? How are you this morning? Hey, good. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I, all of a sudden, the sniffles kicked in. I don't know what's happening over here. I mean, I, it's allergies. I know what it is. I mean, it's like, you know, like they, haven't, they haven't experienced this before. I'm doing great. It's Monday morning, off to a good start, and just yeah. you know, doing our thing. How about yourself? I'm doing well. We had a, an amazing episode drop of our True Blue Politics podcast featuring our special guest, Richard Chu. Who is that guy? Um, <laughs> and we are getting a lot of really, really wonderful response. I just wanted to let you know that, uh, first off. Um, second of all, um, I think the movie that you were maybe were referring to was um, What's the Deal? It came out in 1991 about Trump. Okay. And all of his um, stuff. I think that's it. I Full disclosure, I haven't seen it. But the first time I heard that um, story about Ivanka from Ivanka was in The Choice 2016. Um, and for anybody out there just kind of who are still not sure who Donald Trump is, um, You've Been Trumped is very informative. Um, and then also, if you want to know the threat to the United States um, with the help of uh, Donald Trump's puppeteer, Vladimir Putin, um, active measures is a must 
see if you want to know what the M.O. Um, of Vladimir Putin is and what he intends to do. Um, should he should we stop funding um, the war in Ukraine um, indefinitely? Um, this is what he wants to do. He wants to reassemble the Soviet Union. So he will not stop with Ukraine. He will continue to move on through. Yeah, and I got. I, I don't. I took. Sorry, Karen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride with you on this one. Oh, go ahead. I, I took a couple mm-hmm. of uh, um, justifiable hits from folks last week who said that I was. It's a, and I, I didn't need to be right or wrong. I needed to point out the the fact that uh, there was some issues regarding the funding of NATO, and I'll get into that during the second hour. But a number of people were saying that Putin's not capable of going any further um, after if he were to to, to reclaim Ukraine. Um, and that he would stop there. And I, and I, my, my observation is this, and I wasn't trying to say anybody was wrong or, 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 or I was more right. It's that we have to understand the history. There's two sides. There's, there's, there's history, there's fact and where we go forward. In this case, it's clear that Putin wants to not only take over Ukraine because he attacked a sovereign nation, but if we Get, uh-huh. let, let him have the momentum of that. Right. Then we don't know which direction he's going to go further. And for, uh-huh. for, I'd like to. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I would like to see the evidence. What evidence do they have that that is a situation that he's not going to be able to? I'm surprised that he honestly that he's been able to hold on this long, given, you know, the reports of, you know, the outdated, um, antiquated uh, military um, equipment and weaponry that he has. So, you know, there's money coming in. He's getting money somehow. And so I'm not sure exactly what evidence uh, people that would claim that that's where he would stop have um, to prove that. Um, But there are plenty of other people who I respect, um, whose expertise I respect, like Malcolm Nance, Mm -hmm. who is absolutely sounding the alarm that he will not stop there. That and. It, it is, uh, it's, you know, it's been stated. I mean, he, that is a known, known about Vladimir Putin. And they mentioned that in the choice 2016 as well. And that's why, um, I believe. that's the yeah. other reason why, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, if we go take the man at his word, meaning Donald Trump, he's already made it clear. I'm going to, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to endorse Putin going forward if people don't pay their NATO dues. Okay. So that tells yeah. me, that tells me all I need to hear. And and that, you know, so so going back to kind of my I admittedly said a little bit of speculative thinking, but also some curiosity. And that is mm-hmm. um, and that's why I pointed out this thing about the documentary. And, and um, it may have been called What's the Deal? But, yeah, I mean, it was I just the, the, all the things that were happening at that time. I have to ask mm-hmm. the question, is that the time in which he was turned because uh-huh. it's just, you know, there's too much irony uh, and coincidence of things that were happening in New York and that were happening yes. in Russia at the same time. Uh-huh. And now here we are. So anyhow. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to say this too: people that are saying that they're still that they're going to still vote for Trump. There's two categories. They're racist or they're delusional. They literally are the same people that think that Donald Trump is actually um, still the president and that the military is um, running the show. And, yeah. and that Biden's not actually uh, the president. OK, that's that. But here's the thing. These are the people that I want to reach. OK, the people that are saying that they're going to play with their vote and do a third party vote or they're not going to vote. 
this is what whatever your your cause is, if it's, you know, um, you know, free Palestine, if it is climate, if whatever your jam is, if we allow Donald Trump to get back in, he has already said that Gaza will be a parking lot. He is already we've already seen four years of a nightmare what this man can do. Okay. He will continue to roll back protections to the environment. He will continue to deregulate so that companies can still pollute. He will not do anything about student loan debt. Mm -hmm. We've already had, you know, amazing things from President Biden and uh, uh, VP Harris. So, you know, this is the thing. This is the choice. And with the folks at the Heritage Foundation and Project 2025 and people like Steve Bannon and, and Cash Patel, um, what they are going to do is they are going to um, implement the Insurrection Act, and they are going to make it so that Donald Trump has um, executive Unil- he has, power he has unilateral and power. all the rest of it. Do, do, unilateral do, power. People, yep. don't, people don't realize um, that the during – okay, so you've got to watch – gosh darn it, what's the name of the movie? It's a movie that was, uh, I think, done on Netflix, and it was the movie – that talked about, I think, um, gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I'll describe it. Somebody will help me. I know Indy Armour is really good about getting names of things correct and statements. But uh, so, so hit us with some information. But Karen, do you remember the movie that was done uh, a few years ago? And it was about um, Dick Cheney's role in the Bush administration and how he was leaning toward the executive power. Okay. They want that this folk, the folks that are, which is the Heritage Foundation behind uh, Project Twenty Twenty Five. Mm-hmm. They want to make that, you know, that they want to make that the the law that we all have to live under, and which is to give that the president that executive unilateral power uh, toward mm-hmm. uh, over all other branches of the government. Um, and yeah. and basically, what will happen? The fear is, and it's a it's a legitimate concern, maybe more than a fear, is that the uh, abolishing the court system. So that the and this is in their in their um, in in their their plan. So um, uh-huh. Devin just gave me the information. The movie was called Vice, and that's Vice. Yep, the movie was called Vice. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that it, it, they spent a decent amount of the time in the movie talking about how Cheney was leaning hard into that as a as a rat, uh, justification for going into Iraq. So if you don't yep. think you don't so 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 you all, guys check this out. That was with what we could say was a loosely sane administration, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I say, loosely yeah, in air quotes sane administration that wanted to give that type of power to the to to the executive branch to to to, uh, to Bush too. Imagine yes. these yes. imagine these these crazy a lunatics having mm-hmm. that kind of you know uncontrolled um, balance Uh of power. So, you know, listen, y'all, you cannot waste your vote, throw your vote away, stay at home. Again, listen, hear me clearly, everybody. You are going to hear these words or versions of it again because... It's important, and and my, my job in this role, two hours a day, is to talk about what we must do. And we must... I talk, this is something that we talked about in the family meeting, and we're going to have to hit this break, Karen. Um, stay with us. When we come back, I want to talk about something we discussed yesterday on the family meeting about consensus. The number is 773-763-9278. I see you out there, guys. We'll get, you, get to your calls after the break. 
You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back. Uh, Karen accidentally got disconnected, so she's going to give us a holler back so we can kind of wrap up that that uh, that that um, the thoughts we had on where we are right now with, with voting and what to or not to do with your vote. Um, so in any event, um, basically the framework around the, the um, Project 2025 is something that, um, you know, they've been working on for a long time. And um, the movie, as I said, was Vice. And so I wanted to just make sure I got that to you guys so you have that information. Um, and that's with a, that's that was with a uh, reasonably smart group of people. So Karen's back. Hey, Karen. Hey. Are you there? Hey. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So real quick, I know okay, we were just so- leaning into this before we go. Yeah. So real quick, I wanted to say, so um, the Heritage Foundation was um, begun in 1973. They started the framework uh, for Project 2025 for, quote, the next Republican president. So it doesn't surprise me that Dick Cheney was, you know, kind of leaning into that. Um, he, was part you of know. Nixon's, he was part of Nixon's administration. Cabinet. Exactly. He's one of his cabinet. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it, it makes total sense. Um Michael mentioned, you know, talking about voting. Go to vote.org. Everybody, make sure that you're still uh, registered to vote. They are doing, you know, they are purging people. So that's the other thing. We have to be super vigilant. We have to ask ourselves, what is our plan? What are we going to do between now and the general election to help reelect Joe Biden? Because um, we can talk all day long about 30 third party candidates and, you know, we want rank choice voting and everything. And hey, I'm all on board of that. But when we have a presidential election where there's an electoral college, third party ain't going to work if you want to save democracy and still be able to go out there and protest and speak out against your government. So just bear that in mind. Anybody playing with your vote? So, Karen, thanks for calling back. Um, So we've got we've got some great, great followers and listeners and some really smart people. And I always say I know a lot, but I don't know everything. So I'm quick to say help us out so we can spread the information the right way. So um, um, one of our followers, Indy Armour, said, first of all, um, getting going back to Malcolm Nance, uh, coincidence takes a lot of planning. Uh, and, and that's to quote Malcolm accurately. So thank you for that clarification, Indy. And the second thing, Devin, um, slipped me a note that the movie is called Vice, but the, the executive power that I was trying to, I couldn't remember is called unitary executive theory. And it's basically saying that the president has the ability to consolidate the decision-making power within of the other branches inside of the executive branch. And that's kind of what took us down that, that path of um, being able to go to, go to conflicts, not war, but go to conflicts without approval from Congress, sort of allow them to sidestep that a little bit. And for those of you who are, are aware, that, that is essentially what happened. And, and honestly, um, since then, uh, actually, President Obama used that a little bit to his favor, um, so in any event, I just wanted to, you know, again, I, I love bullet points because bullet points create um, our brain to fire to think about things that we maybe had stored away. So a couple of bullet points today. Coincidence takes a lot of planning, a.k.a. Malcolm Nance. And what what Karen's talking about as well as it relates to to uh, consolidation of power. And what I've been saying is it's it's known as a unitary executive theory. So. 
there you go. Just wanted to hit on that real quick. Karen, thanks for calling in today. We always appreciate your Thank you. your knowledge and commentary. And one more time, what's the name of that uh, podcast that this that um, that we might want to give a shout out to? Uh, so it is True Blue Politics Podcast, and it's spelled T-R-U-B-L-U Politics Podcast. We do have a Patreon page as well if you would like to go over and join us. Um, but, yeah, we had a great episode with um, beloved Richard Chu of Chu's Views and the family meeting. I think I know and, that guy. Uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it was a, it was really wonderful. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on and having the conversation with uh, Anita and I. Absolutely. Listen, Karen, thanks for calling. Have a great day. And we will talk soon. Great show. You too. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. So guys, Bye-bye. listen, we, uh, I want to, I want to go real, real quick to my man, Dave in Hoffman Estates and say good Monday morning. Let's hit him before we get the break, Devin. Hey Dave, good morning. How are you? Well, I don't know how good Monday it is. It's foggy over here in Happy Hoffman Estates. But, it it uh, is or it isn't? Uh, it is. Oh, wow. Did it rain up yeah. there overnight or something, or is it just we got uh, uh, cloud stalling? No, no, but it, it was like about 25 or 28 this morning. I want to get the paper, and I didn't have look at it just foggy as could be. It's out there. Wow. Okay. Uh, What's going on, man? Um, like I mentioned to Devin on on the line of voting, when you get that white card in the mail, you know, telling you where you get your polling place, you take it with you because if you look on the front, there's a barcode on it, and you just they have a barcode reader. That way, you don't have to take the time to fill out the stuff. All you got to do is just sign it. Yeah, I don't know if you, you knew. I don't know if you knew that or not. You know, if any of the listeners knew that, but, um. I I did. And Dave, thank you for sharing that with everyone. Um, we want to kind of be a. Um, how do I want to put this? As I said this a number of times, and I'll say it again, you guys as listeners have more information than I can pull together in my brain. So this is where we are as a team. We're working to make sure folks are doing what they need to do. I, I thought it was really curious and cool, Dave, that you may have heard this. When um, uh, when Michael called in earlier uh, with some updates on the 17-year-olds um, voting and be, in the primaries, but also being in the vote in the generals, if they turn 18 by November 5th, and that Illinois is um, one of the 18 states that has a 16-year-old pre-registration Opportunity. That's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, are you ever before the election? Are you going to get any of these? Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank right now. You, you know, like David Orr or somebody who used to do the job. Um, like one time, I once or twice I went with the vote, and the last one, the guy had a a Trump shirt on when he goes in, you know, for, and I got a hold of the. The election guy and uh, the captain or whatever in the uh, in the polling place. I said he kind of he's got to have that thing covered up. And they, well, I said that's electioneering. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, we're going to. We, to, 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 I think to answer the question, I think you were asking. We are definitely going to be leaning into some of the other political experts that are um, here in the region as we get closer to the primaries, and we'll have them on. And most certainly that kind of stuff is what we have to pay attention to. That is without a doubt electioneering. You have to cover it up. You can't wear anything like that 
on and on. So this is an election cycle, the primaries as well as a general, that we have got to be on our mark when it comes to watching and making sure that folks are doing things the right way and that there's not any craziness going on when it comes to voter suppression. Um, we have to lean into that. Most definitely, Dave, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. And then another time a guy had like a bush pin on and the same thing. And they, so I thought they supposedly took classes, you know, on what to, to do, you know, when they're these uh, people that are like, they're, I don't know what would you call them, poll captains or whatever. But the, he, they didn't do nothing. Yeah. I said, uh, I said, well, why didn't I just go run out to the front and grab one of them signs that they got, you know, they have beyond the blue line or whatever that's the that you're not supposed to be electioneering after, you know? Well, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of, yeah. Um, I, uh, one of our nephews, he has been um, part of, uh, he's been one of the poll workers for the last two general elections. And um, some of the stories that he told are kind of interesting. And, you know, the, the fact that you've got to have the neutrality in terms of the number of Democratic and or Republican uh, folks that are working there. And, you know, the, 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 um, uh, what they can wear, what they can't wear, and so forth and so on. So it is, it, it, you know, we've done a pretty good job in Illinois. I would I'd say from everybody that I've talked to over the, the last two or three election, uh, general election cycles, we've done a pretty good job. But this is one that we can't let our guard down and make sure that even here in Illinois that there's no monkey business and there's no craziness going on. So, Yeah, that's why I thought I'd get it out now. You know, like you say, we're seven months out or whatever. But the, And um, the... Uh, so you can get positive because I see something yesterday. Uh, I believe it was on CNN on the craw on the bottom. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, pretty much like after that um, shooting in Missouri, Minnesota was a different one too. Sadly, the three first responders got killed. But uh, yeah. they said that that it's already been up to fifty four. Mass shootings in 2024 already? Dave, check, check, the, check this out. So okay. right after the shooting at the Super Bowl uh, parade, um, I read a report that there were 44 since January 1st. Okay. So you wouldn't, I, be far, you wouldn't be far off to say we're up to 50 already. And that was a week and a half ago. Yeah. Maybe somebody can pick me up, but I thought it was said 54, you know, since, you know, for the whole year so far. I mean, that's, we're only, what, two months into the new year? Not maybe, even. You know, so. Not even. Yeah, right. right. Um, anyway, hey, uh, Richard, uh, check on the mailbox. I gave a, and it's something, your eyes all you know, I put in the thing, but, uh, is, my, it, you know, what? Is it something you send the physical mail or something you sent uh, electronically? No, I, I don't do much of that. It's just uh, snail mail. Snail oh, mail over snail. You send it to me? Or and then, uh, do you send it to me? To you. To you. To you uh, choose the user, sir. Okay. All right. I'll keep an eye uh, out. Just, all right. Just something for you to think about anyway. And then, uh, so. Okay. Can you do the uh, text over now? Say, just, say that again. You, you're kind of cutting Can out, you Dave. Sorry. Do, 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 do you receive text at the show now? Yes, we do. We do. Devin, Dev, Devin oh, is um, Devin is taking him to school on how to how to actually uh, do uh, read them. But yes, we have the ability to get text during our show live, which is awesome. And I will make sure to um, speak more to that. I need to okay. do a better job of talking about texting us as well. 
Okay, cool. Let me get on to the others I've been online holding. So I just thought I'd touch base with you on those couple things. All right, Dave. Pleasure as always. Big hug to you this morning and high five. Have a great day with work and be safe, man, okay? Okay, bye now. Bye now. He's going to drop his call, uh, Devin, if you can. I know you're – okay, cool. All right, guys, listen, uh, we're coming up on a break. Devin's got to, had to pull out his two extra arms to uh, navigate the calls, both inbound and, and uh, dropping calls. And he's got to run the board, so he's kind of a magic man. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we are back. The number is 773-763-9278. And let's go to Phil on the north side. Hey, good morning, Phil. Happy hey. Monday. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, especially after that $355 million decision against Trump. So <laughs> I had a good weekend. Celebrated a I little. Can, I can feel the smile uh, on your face from that, Phil. Yeah. Um, with, with that and all the other uh, decisions against him, uh, it's not looking too good for uh, the orange guy. <laughs> so, uh, what you got for I us this morning? Really uh, I just wanted to uh, congratulate you, and, and uh, I've been listening to you off and on, and uh, you're doing a great job, in my opinion, so Thank far. You. Thank you. Um, what I like about you is you really seem on course. Uh, your predecessors, I've been listening for a long time, way back in 2015, uh, you, your slot was occupied by uh, Bill Press and Peter Ockberg, and they really bashed Hillary all the time, um, very viciously, unfairly, in, in my opinion. I do think there was some misogyny there, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Anyways, we lost the election. Uh, in my, you know, I really think we are at such a crucial time right now. I can't, if you, if people who have issues with Biden, you know, uh, his age seems to, you know, be really being pushed in the, in, in the media, the mainstream media. Don't fall for that um, is my, my advice. And uh, there's also, we have a lot of, seem to have a lot of one issue voters when it comes to the Middle East. In the Middle East, I will be the first guy to admit, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do notice that the people who are very pro-Palestine never mention that the ceasefire has been broken twice by Hamas. Yeah. I think they're putting they're putting way too much responsibility for that situation on Biden. Again, they're being unfair. Um, my problem with people with uh, your predecessor to uh, your most recent predecessor. I don't want to mention names here, but. There's this this fantasy that there is some third party out there. Um, this is how voters get dissuaded. This both sides, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You're not pushing this both sides agenda. And I really like that. We are at such a crucial time right now. If if, if you're out there and you hear this and you're on the edge and you you know you well, Biden's old, you've got whatever for whatever reason reasons. You're going to be apathetic and sit this one out. You have failed as a as a human being. Your 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 basic decency. I can't stress this enough. If you do not stop Trump, 
You know, we're going to be, we had four years of him. Yeah. I saw, you know, a lot of my friends in, in every different minority group you can think of suffered under him. And they didn't care if it was Bernie or Hillary who won. They just didn't want Trump in there. They, they, you know, they weren't taking sides and they suffered needlessly under Trump. Uh, you know, yeah. these, they, his cult was empowered by him winning. And they, I, 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 you know, I'm on ground level here. I've worked in the trades. I saw what happened. You know, mm-hmm. we need to stop this thing. Again, yeah. whatever issues that people have with Biden, he's doing a great job in so many respects. Whatever issues they have, if they allow him to win this coming election, whatever issues they have with Biden will be 10 times worse if they decide not to vote and good. I hope Trump wins that kind of an attitude. Right. Phil, you know, I'm going to partner with you on this because I know I can feel the passion in your voice about it. And and candidly, as I hear, listen, guys, I'm thankful and blessed to be able to to be able to do this show and and have choose views as part of CPT. I take this seriously. And what Phil is saying should move you. It's not coming out of my mouth. I've said it. I've said my version of it. But what Phil is saying as a regular Chicago dude, Midwestern guy should move you. You should hear the words that he's putting out to you because what he is saying, in addition to what he's saying, is that if you don't take this seriously, if you don't take your responsibility seriously, you may not have the opportunity to recover from this one. This is that potential fatal wound because let, let let me help you all understand something. This is not just Trump this is all of the energy that's being welled up behind him. It's Project 2025. It's foreign money and foreign interest. It's all of these things that are, are, are like, you know, Nikita Khrushchev said, designed without a shot to take the U.S. down from within. And I'm paraphrasing, but you all know what I'm talking about. You should hear the words that Phil just put on you because this, it is serious we can't be playing this game about, you know, third party. I don't like Biden. He ain't perfect. He didn't do this. He's too damn old. All of those things may be true, but step out of yourself for a second. And, and I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you guys a, a visual for a second. And Phil, bear with me for a minute. Step out of yourself for a second. And pretend you're looking at members of your family, older, similar and younger. And step away from them and look at them and say, If the person that were to get into office, Trump, gets into office, how will it impact their lives? Maybe stop looking at yourself so much. And like Phil said about being a one voter, uh, one issue voter. And maybe look at the people that you care about. I know I do that. And say, if my actions or inactions right now at this critical point are not on point to move us forward to a slightly better place, how is it going to impact them? Stop looking at my single vote, single issue item and look at the people you care about. Look at the young, young niece or nephew that's up and coming. Look at the senior in your family and how your actions or inactions could impact them. Phil, we'll bring you back. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no problem. You, you, that was very eloquent what you, what you said. Uh, you know, again, uh, With Biden, at least you've got a a gentleman who's going to listen to you to whatever qualms you have right now. And 
Yeah, there's one that, you know, honest criticism is okay. This age thing, this age shaming thing is getting ridiculous. Yep. Uh, I have an analogy. If, if an 80-year-old guy built you uh, a, a set of cabinets or something or a dresser and he did a great job, Maybe he took slightly longer than the young guy, but when you looked at it, all the details were perfect. It was really old school, well crafted, as opposed to the the American way that maybe some <laughs> young guy made it. And and when you look close at it, you see a little flaws here and there. And would you care that the guy was eighty who made the perfect dresser for you? Yeah, you know. And so and and, I, and and Dave and let me let me let me be clear. Phil's not age shaming someone younger not being able to to be a good craftsperson. What he's saying is, don't use age to say that someone older can't get the job done. There's a that's a two. Exactly, that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah. No, no, no. I know you. I know you weren't age shaming. Yeah. You were saying don't use age of someone older to justify doing something different just because a person's of a certain age. That's a that's a spot on point. Phil, listen, man. Um, I appreciate you calling in. I know you wanted to chat about the gun problem. Give us a shout back uh, throughout the course of this week, and we'll talk about that some more. Unfortunately, we're going to have... Well, absolutely, man. Like I say, I've I've been enjoying your show again after uh, this time slot again after many years. Uh, You you know, I'm I'm so sick of people taking over this time slot. And I think they try to stir up controversy by by pushing the third party, this this pie-in-the-sky dream. Yeah, it's a binary decision right now. Well, I'm going to do my know, I'm going to do my best to to keep us on the rails and also, make sure that if I could say really quickly, sure. with Democrats and I do admit some of them are you know we have had a problem, but the the main thing uh, the, the the culprit behind this, in my opinion, is decades of apathy. These these horrible uh, Democrats <laughs> that were in there got in there because people didn't vote. That's right. So, they were apathetic. You know, we are changing the system. Things are looking pretty bright now. We got some some real spitfires in there right now, man. I mean, with Moskowitz and the whole, yeah. the, uh, the, in the Congress right now. Things are changing. Hopefully it, it, it lights the fuse and people get up and vote, man. Big high five to you, Phil. Have a great day today. Give us a call back. We'll talk about guns as the week goes by, okay? Thank you, Richard. Yes, I will. All right. Be well, my man. So I humbly accept Dave's uh, compliments about what I'm trying to do here. And, uh, you know, that's I, I just I think I know what the assignment is. And our, our, I've said it before. We have to push and pull at the same time in the same direction. And I don't expect anybody. Listen, I think I said this before and I'll say it again because we're in this we're in this point in time where there's a lot of, you know, a lack of connection and not a lack of continuity. And yesterday, and Devin, you heard this on the family meeting. We had a guest that talked about um, uh, uh, Doctor jo- Professor Joshua Myers, who is a uh, African American studies and historian um, at Howard University and a good friend of Eric Grant's. He talked about something that the the political group, activist group in the '60s, was uh, part of their mantra, part of their mission, and that was um, the group is called SNCC. And one of the things that was clear to them is that everybody didn't agree on everything in terms of the, the methodology, the mechanism, and the route. But what everybody did agree on is that the end result had to be a better place for everybody. Okay? And so I, th- that 
that design, that way of acting, that way of being, that way of being a part of a group is what makes group dynamics so powerful is that you bring a lot of smart people, a lot of experienced people, a lot of passionate people to a, to a scenario where the goal is to move forward together. This is not pie in the sky. This is not wishful thinking. It's actually easier to get stuff done when everybody can say, yeah, the end result is this, getting rid of the gun violence. The end result is this, better economics for all. The end result is this, women's independence when it comes to their health and health care. The end result is this, making sure that people who are trying to get to our country get here safely, have a place to be, and that we can embrace them in a way where our largesse doesn't take from another group. These, I mean, the the list goes on for me, but it doesn't happen. It, It happens if we have a similar end result. And that everybody, kind of like SNCC did, said it has to be collective, it has to be collaborative, and it has to be with consensus. That the end result is the end result. That that we have that as as the same and similar and singular target. So, I know that um, sometimes some of the things that I say, guys, um, may seem lofty. And I don't mean it to be lofty. I mean it to be actually very practical and very literal. Um, and not wishful thinking. And I don't think that the, the folks that were the, 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 the leaders of SNCC back in the 60s were being lofty. They were maybe somewhat idealistic given the, ter- the, uh, the times. But it was all about getting to a better place in a lot of different areas. And that was, a civil, that was the bread and butter of the civil rights was we got to move everybody forward. And, and to use the phrase, a rising tide lifts, a rising tide lifts all ships was, you know, part of, that was baked into the sauce when it came to, to how Snick operated. So we're going to run to a quick break, guys. The number is 773. I see your callers out there. We will get to you, I promise you, before we end today. 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey guys, we're back. 773-763-9278. I'm not tearing up uh, out of emotions. My allergies and my sinuses are just giving me hell this morning. That being said, I want to also, you know, this this oftentimes doesn't happen, but I want to thank our our sponsors and our advertisers because, you know, they're a big part of our team as well. And for you you guys who who listen to us and follow us, please uh, patron those businesses. You know, they they are important to the process. Make sure you're checking out who our sponsors are and make sure you're running in and doing business with them as best you possibly can. Uh, that's a that's a request from Choose Views. And we got to grab these, these callers real quick. So let's start with uh, let's start with Matt in Chicago. Hey, what's going on, Matt? Good morning. Hey, how's it going, Richard? Good, good. What's up? Good morning. Yeah, just to just to touch on what the previous caller said about just voter apathy in general. Like, I feel like our our civics program in high school just doesn't get kids interested enough. And I'm worried about this next generation coming up that they feel like it just doesn't matter. I mean, and then as a 50 year old man, like I, I sometimes feel apathetic as well because you've got citizens United that basically gives corporations as, as much money to put into political funds as they want, um, not know where it's coming from. And therefore we have all these gerrymandered States. We, the reality is the only, the person who wins the race is the person that has the most money. Yeah. You, you know, I like what he said, too, and I appreciate what you're saying, Matt, about, you know, the the, 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 the apathy 
um, is so the, the apathy is caught up with this. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think it's real. I mean, people feel like their vote doesn't count because even if they vote, like, like for instance, like Pennsylvania, they've got you know, probably 55, 60% of the people who vote Democrat, democratically, and 70% of the House seats are, are held by Republicans. Yeah. So I, I, I honestly think that we need to go more toward a parliamentary Hmm. sort of plan where, where you know, if, if you 75% of the votes are Democrat for that state, then you get 75% of the House seats. Yeah. Well, um, and that's, that's the problem with our, with the electoral college at the end of the day. I mean, you know, we've, you've been, you've been around the block a minute, you know, that the, the, the fact that Montana's got the same number of senators, Democrat or Republican, that, that, that California or New York or Texas, I mean, we, it doesn't matter if the state's red or blue, it's just the math doesn't work, you know? And right, it, it, but, the, but it's baked into the constitution, right? It like, is. So how do you, how do you overcome that without some super majority? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm and actually, I think it's, Third vote, right? In order to change something in the Constitution, uh, on that level, yes, it is. And so we've we've been so gerrymandered for such a long time that getting those seats back to be able to get the votes that we need to get the majority. I mean, I'm not being negative. I'm just saying that is what it is. However, keep in mind, Matt, and I'm just going to say this as a as a bit of positivity before you go. We still have to lean into it because the alternative is not an option. We know that. I mean, intellectually, we know that. So we have to lean into making sure that we hold, hold, turn, turn. We, we just, what are our choices otherwise, man? I mean. No, you're right. We, we have to continue to fight on. We have to continue to educate the younger population and get them involved. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and that's an opportunity. Did you, you, that's, a, that's an opportunity. I don't know if you caught earlier in the show, and I, uh, my man Michael was talking about the 17-year-old um, voting number and, um, and then the re- pre-register for 16-year-olds. That's a huge opportunity that we can't sleep on. And we're going to talk about that a lot on this show is the importance of making sure that we're going to walk the walk. We got to, you know, if we're going to talk to talk, we got to walk the walk with getting our younger voters involved. So I, I agree with you 100 percent. I just hope that we're, we're still fighting that battle of the other, you know, 30, 30 or 25 states that are going to prevent that from happening because they don't want young people to vote. Yeah, I know. That is true. That is very true. Listen, man, thanks it's for calling. Well, sounds like you're so, fighting the fight. Sounds, 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 your sounds like you're driving. Drive carefully. And we appreciate you, you calling in the show. Have a great day today. Thanks, Richard. You're welcome, man. Be well. You too. Let's go to Brian real quick in Joliet. Hey, Brian, it seems like you've got the solution for gun laws. Talk to me. What's going on? Well, uh, without getting a little bit of time here, uh, first I want to say we must seek seek for peace. Me and you or all the sporting events will be through. And and, uh, I wanted to say that... uh, 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 violence is never justifiable, but uh, to get to the underlying causes to reduce the amount of violence, I think uh, we have to understand that there's an economic, uh, underlying economic problems of uh, joblessness, hopelessness, and at least despair and a lack of respect for law. And um, I wanted to say that, uh, you know, uh, back in the, uh, uh, well, uh, 1920s, um, I'm sure you know, and I uh, just had the uh, St. Valentine's Day, the, and I had a report uh, on the uh, documentary on the St. Valentine's Day massacre back in those days with Prohibition. Uh, there were, uh, in Chicago, 
there were all kinds of uh, different gangs. They were all white. Uh, there were uh, <laughs> Italian gangs, Irish, Polish, Jewish gangs, and uh, eventually that came. That was prohibition. I think uh, it might be something to consider about uh, legalizing all drugs uh, to adults might be a solution there, too, uh, in addition to the economic problem. I know that's uh, something that's probably never going to happen, but uh, I think uh, perhaps some other country may have that, and I, I, it might be worthy to check out if there's a reduction in gun violence there, all kinds of violence. And I think, uh, uh, for me, uh, no one needs an assault gun of any type. Uh, it's not going to stop a tank or anything if people think that. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a problem with hunting uh, rifles, even though I've never been a hunter. Uh, and uh, legally, I'm opposed to Saturday Night Specials, that type of gun. But legally obtained gu uh, handguns for self-defense, I could understand that. Uh, your thoughts? Well that's, uh, that, well, that's why, and Brian, this is why I said earlier, and thank you so much for calling, Brian. Have a great day today and give us a holler back this week because I have a feeling we're going to be on the gun laws uh, or the gun crisis um, uh, throughout the course of this week. W the reason that I said that sensible gun laws is kind of pity patting around the subject of this violence is because if we don't, you know, it's kind of like, uh, and, and guys, please give me some, some, um, some fair way here to make this next statement. And in terms of, we'll use cancer as an example. You got to get to the core of it and get it out, get it corrected, cleaned up. I'm not a doctor, but we know, y'all know what I'm talking about before you can, you know, the, the patient can heal and go forward. I think when it comes to the gun laws that we have, the number one gun law at the top of the heap is the Constitution saying that it's the person's right to bear arms. We have to change that. We do. That's the that's the real hard work because everybody is petty patting around this, you know, uh, sensible gun laws and, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, responsible gun users and all that other craziness. No, change the Constitution. That's the hard work. But once that's done, then we've we've gone to the core of what the real problem is. We because everybody says it's my right to bear arms. OK, we've got to change what that means because it was written at a time when that was not about owning a gun per se. And that's where and Tom Hartman talks about this a lot. That's what we're missing. Our legislators are missing that. And I think that even those that are Republicans that are that are more funded, highly funded than uh, than the left uh, by the NRA, I think that's when we get to something that's going to be meaningful. We got to change the Constitution, y'all, and then don't be. We, none of us can be. I mean, hell, we just changed the 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 the, the Dobbs decision was essentially changing the Constitution. So don't tell me we can't change it for guns. I mean, that's that's insane. It, it just is. So. Um, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this a little bit more this week, and that's okay, because that's what the goal is. Part of the goal is with this show is to talk and to communicate. I appreciate you guys that have called in today and those who couldn't get through, and I appreciate those of who, who've um, reached out to us on social media. But, you know, we're off to a good week, guys. Um, weather's going to be continually good. We're going to have some rain. No snow from what I can tell, so that's a good one for me and Devin. Uh, and we have breaking our backs trying to get get you know get through this snow. 
But um, we've had some really good things that we've chatted about today from everything from what's happening with 45 and his uh, his new find on top of the other 83 million in the Eugene Carroll case. We've um, we've definitely been been able to to um, to converse about that. And I saw um, I, I forgot who posted this, but um, I saw on uh, on Twitter this morning that uh, it was a it was a, uh, a lemonade stand outside of Trump Tower. With Eric and and Donald Jr. selling lemonade for a billion dollars a cup, <laughs> because of all the hell and the trouble that they're in now, because they got to pay some money as well. Um, as always, guys, our next show um, or in, in the next hour is the Stephanie Miller show. You got to tune in to my girl Tom Hartman, uh, Joan this afternoon, the wonderful Joan Esposito. And uh, our, our good friend, Patty Vasquez, who kind of will wrap up the end of the day um, driving home with Patty. But, yeah, Joan, Patty in the afternoon, Tom and uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Miller following us. Excuse me, this morning, I'm going to go take some medication. I'm going to go use my inhaler because my allergies are just not being kind today. Um, the, the one thing I want to leave you guys with today as well, in addition to... Uh, what we talked about, some of the wrap up, the things that we covered. I saw a really interesting thing that you know, and interesting is the word I'm going to use because I can't curse the way that I want to. But um, remember how I said last week, and I've been talking about this on and on about how even MSNBC is dropping the ball right now. And I'll leave you guys with this today. Katie Tur, man, I I can't wait for Nicole Wallace to get back because Katie Tur, I could do her job right now. The way she leaned into, do you think it's fair that this fine and going after Donald Trump is the right thing to do? Do you think it's fair? The word fair is not relevant to the situation. It's about the legality or the illegality of what this fool did. And he got caught and now he's got to pay. Guys, it's been great having you here today. The number is always 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day.